You are listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect. So God is doing some absolutely amazing things in the Dominican. Now, some of you may have had a chance to go there in the past and had some time, vacation time. Rhonda and I and and our family did the same thing about 20 years ago. And one of the things that we did do was go off-site from the resort and we took a tour through the... um, you know, through the grounds and, and through the countryside that was outside, like I say, of the resort. Now, we saw a different world, and it was a world that was truly a third world environment with how people lived and how people um, got along with, uh, with their families. We went to a school as well. Now, in 2006 and 2009, Rhonda and I and our family, our three children, Ryan, Michael, and Ashley, we all went on a mission to, the, to Tanzania in East Africa. At that time, we were working again with the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. We were, um, at that time, we were working as co-directors for an orphanage. There was 110 children plus at that orphanage, anywhere from 12 years old to 15, 16 years old. We had 50 staff, three shifts every day, and an orphanage never sleeps. It is 365 days a year, 24-7. So what we saw when we first got to Africa was very much what we saw when we went off-site from the Dominican, from the resort. It was a very similar third-world environment. So if you've had a chance to see that in the Dominican, you'll know what we also experienced in Africa. So there's great need out there. One of the things that um, we're bringing to the mission is our skill set. Now, Rhonda, um, she is a nurse, and she's also worked in the Edmonton Public School Board as a teacher's aide for children who have special needs, whether it's physical or mental needs. And myself, I've worked in the oil and gas industry for approximately 16 years and consulted with my own business as well in that same field. And then since coming back from Africa, I worked as a project manager in construction for mechanical contractors. So what we're looking at trying to do, of course, is offering God our abilities, our skill sets, when we go back into the mission field, and this time to the Dominican. Now, we are just thankful for another opportunity. We loved Africa, and we didn't want to come back, but we had some issues, and we'll talk about that in in the message that I'm going to get to here very shortly. But I just want to explain that our hearts were drawn by God to get into missions, and and I say it was to Africa the first time. And God has spoken to us again. We're excited about it, and we're excited to be able to share. One, One of the things that happens when you go into missions, is you raise support, you raise prayer from meeting people and going to churches. And that's exactly what we're doing here today. Um, It's a scary thing, actually, because you don't know where God's leading you. So we are, again, 
grateful for the invitation. But we knew when we came back into missions, we'd be introducing ourselves to new churches and new people than we did when we went in 2006. So what has brought us here today beyond the invitation? It's really God's call in our lives. And the song spoke about it. It goes deeper than a song. It goes into your heart. It goes into the motivation of your very spirit. And in the message that I have today and that we have spoken about as we prepare to go to visit churches and talk to people, this title, the title for this message is called The Urgency of Now. So I want to bring up a few verses here from Acts 1, 7 to 11. So let's take a look at what it says here. Jesus, I'm sorry, see, I am a little bit older. I need my glasses. Um, just before Jesus was taken up into heaven, he said to his apostles, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he, was, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up as, I'm sorry, they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the very same way you have seen him go into heaven. Now, after three years of following Jesus, Day after day, just and just witnessing his death and resurrection. And now, over the last 40 days, rejoicing being with him again, the disciples witnessed something they had never seen before, Jesus ascending into heaven. Now, likely even Thomas at this point was no longer doubting anything he saw Jesus do. Now, for us today... Our world is different than those times when the disciples walked with Jesus. For us today, our minds have been accustomed to accepting almost anything as possible. When we look in the world of special effects of movies and of TV, we, we see anything happening. I mean, for example, dinosaurs are no longer extinct and live on Jurassic Islands off the coast of Costa Rica. Intergalactic space travel to distant worlds is just a weekend Star Wars adventures away. And comic book characters are real. Superman is protecting the world from evil. And somehow having to rescue Lois Lane from falling off another tall building in every movie. Now, again, we're, we're so accustomed to seeing anything happening. But that's not the case for the disciples. When they saw Jesus ascend into heaven to lift up off the ground, 
before their very eyes, it must have been absolutely mind-blowing. Really. The Bible tamely records this as they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. Again, no kidding. Eyes popping, mouths wide open, totally transfixed. Who would have done anything different in that situation? Now, the next part of the verse is where I would like to park and do some unpacking for how it relates to our story, Rhonda and mine, for getting back into missions. So look, look at the verse again. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood before them. Now the words when suddenly, as we know, is a time reference. So let's talk just briefly here about time itself, okay? Time itself appears to have a direction to be inherently directional. The past lies behind us. It is fixed and it is absolute. And we can go to the past by way of our memories or by way of written documents like books. Now, the future, on the other hand, lies ahead of us. And the future is not fixed. And although we can perhaps predict what could happen, we absolutely have no firm evidence of what will happen. Now, the British astronomer, there's always a guy, the British astronomer, the physicist, Sir Arthur Eddington, in 1927 developed this idea of a one-way direction, one way for time, and he called it the arrow of time. And it's what give us, gives us the impression of time passing through different moments in our lives. So, really, this is how God has designed our world. And the way that we perceive time, and the way that we interact with it, and the way that we can actually influence it. We can only live in the very present moment. We can plan to do things in the future, but absolutely no one can live in the past. Even though we say, and we hear the phrase from time to time, he or she or they, well, you know, they're living in the past. Well, that's not the way it really happens. We can only live in the very present or plan for the future. And I believe this is exactly why God sent two angels at this very moment that Jesus was going up into the sky. No one could blame the disciples for staring up, wondering what might happen next. Anyone would have done the same thing, looking intently up into the sky. And God understood that once Jesus was physically gone and the disciples were missing him again, they would want to linger. They would even want to probably remorse for losing him again. Remembering the times that they were with him. Now, to help snap them out of that very moment and that mindset, God gave them absolutely no time to linger here. Notice again in the verse, as he was actually going up, 
when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. To ensure God got their attention, he sent two angels, doubled the impact, and it was instant. It was dramatic. It was supernatural, amazingly bright and white. And it had to be. Think about it. It had to be an overpowering event. It had to be in their face because it was actually competing for their attention at the very moment Jesus was going up into the sky. Now, the first words that the angels say to the disciples seem astoundingly naive. Again, they say, men of Galilee, they say, why do you stand here looking into the sky? Again, are you kidding me? Like, did, you think, did they not see what just happened to Jesus? Of course, the angels understood. They knew that the disciples would have been in sensory overload for what has just happened and what they had just experienced. So I believe that the angel's question directed towards them wasn't for the physical act of actually looking up into the sky, but it was directed towards the disciples to draw their attention to the very fact that they were just standing around doing nothing. Again, people would say, well, what's wrong with that? Look what just happened. What's the big deal? What's the big rush? What's the urgency? The urgency of that moment for God was to ensure that the angels broke the disciples out of any type of lingering mindset of living in the past when they were with Jesus, when Jesus was directly with them physically. He wanted to direct them to the work that needed to be done now. And what work was this? Let's go to, let's go to the Bible. Acts 1, 8 reminds us that Jesus of Jesus' words, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, in Matthew 28, 18, and 20, the Bible tells us the disciples also heard these words from Jesus. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on the earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. So in quick summary, in quick summary here, Jesus' last words on earth included these commands. Go, be my disciples. I'm sorry, be my witnesses. Make, my, make disciples, baptize, and teach. So now we know for sure what Jesus wanted done. But just as importantly, just as importantly, God set the tone for its urgency. The urgency was and remains now. Not a little later, not after a while, not when we feel like it. And there is good reason why the next books in the Bible, after the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, 
Luke and John, is called Acts. The game-changing event, the cross, that game-changing event for all humanity that took place at Easter, that's what he wanted them to focus on. Literally, the eternal destiny of souls dependent on the disciples getting to work immediately. There was no time to waste, and the tone had been sent, set. And that same tone of urgency, which was accepted by the early church of Acts over 2,000 years ago, remains no different for us today. Now, it's with this understanding of the urgency of now that Rhonda and I have dedicated our lives to listen and obey God's call to participate in Jesus' great commission. Now, in complete transparency, <laughs> this was certainly not always the case for, for us. And I'm going to speak now a little bit more about our journey when we, before we first went to Africa. Because prior, prior to 2002, the most important thing for me revolved around me. <laughs> the issue of controlling my own life. For 14 years, I worked in the oil and gas industry, two additional years as consulting, and I did everything I could to earn financial reward, to earn recognition, to earn success. And I did achieve many of these things. I grew confident in myself because I had succeeded. I was capable, I was intuitive, I was ambitious, and I could control my own future. And I could provide for my own family of five. And even though learning how to win in the very competitive business world that we live in, it's not a bad thing to learn how to be competitive. I had chosen to trust in myself, in my heart, to trust in myself, rather than for God, for my own security. Well, I don't think it would be hard for you to imagine what happened next. The bottom had fallen out and I had lost my job. And the perception of control over my life and controlling things evaporated. This was a life-changing moment for me. And at the foot of my bed, with many tears and on my knees, I gave up trying to control my life and gave control back to God. Now, what did I say? I said to God, just tell me what you want me to do. Now, be careful. <laughs> be careful if you say that because he will take you up on it. And thank God that he did for me as well. For he did. So let's fast forward a minute. The next thing I knew, I was obeying God and on my way in 2002 to East Africa, Tanzania, to help on a three-week short-term mission, build project for the orphanage that eventually we went to and worked as a family. 
Now, on the way home from that mission trip, on the long flight from Germany to Edmonton, I could not sleep and I was restless with so many thoughts and emotions going through my mind about the experience I had just had. I remember the moment I sensed God's voice in my head saying he wanted me to get fully involved with the orphanage and the mission. He wanted me to do this for him and for the children there. Now this moment of direction from God, from his still, small voice in my mind, will always remain with me. But, but what do you do with it? I mean, really, <laughs> really, what do you do when you hear God calling you to go? To get involved with what he is doing in the world of missions. Unfortunately, the very first thing that tends to happen is you start questioning everything. What will Rhonda say? People will just think. Can you imagine? People will just think, this is the spiritual high. This is the emotions from going on such a trip. You don't really act on these things, do you? You know, quit your job, pack up your bags, and buy one-way tickets to Africa for your whole family? Because you hear a voice in your head? Like, really? Do you do this? Yet three years later, after confirmation after confirmation, and God providing the funds through ministry partners to meet our financial requirement, our family was off to Africa with one-way tickets. <laughs> now, why was this possible? Was it me, again, controlling things? Now, that I knew... Now, that I knew was impossible. One of the great moments a Christian can have in their lives is taking steps forward knowing that each step is absolutely not possible without God moving ahead of you first and finding through faith he has already gone before you so that each of your footsteps can land firmly and be rested. This whole new adventure of following God's still small voice was only possible because I had stopped hijacking the process and let God be in control. Okay. Come with me now for a minute. I'm going to say some words, and if it helps you to close your eyes, we're going to go to an imaginary place. But it helps you close your eyes to kind of go with me. Please do so. So let's go. Let's go to overseas missions where there's adventure. Let's go to Tanzania, East Africa. Tropical climate. Safaris, strange new cultures and wonderful people. Learning to speak Swahili. Rescuing orphaned and abandoned children. Knowing that you are in the center of God's will for your life. So question, how does that sound? Would you like to go?
Well, let's step back a little closer just to home between even Rhonda and I. How was Rhonda feeling about this? Did Rhonda really want to go? Well, she really didn't want to go to Africa. Now, she said she did, and of course she did, because I know she was with me the whole time. But in her heart, she was terrified for what could happen. What about our own children? Working at the orphanage would mean that we would have to send our own three children, and at that time they were 12, 14, and going on 16. We would have to send them to boarding school in Kenya. We're in Tanzania, they're going off to Kenya, 800 kilometers away. Our daughter, Ashley, she's only 12 years old. What if something was to happen to her, was Rhonda's fear. But there we were. We were now living in Africa. Now let's move along a bit in our story here. Let's move to September 2006. And just like I said, we had arrived to Tanzania, and one of our children, I'm sorry, one of the first things that we needed to do, as I said, was take our children to Rift Valley Academy in Kenya to begin their boarding school. Now, we get to the school, and after orientation and settling the kids into the dorms, meeting and praying with them and with their dorm parents, we finally drive off and leave them behind. Now, can you imagine? There was a lot of crying going on. For Rhonda and I, our kids couldn't care less. <laughs> they, there was no tears. They were saying, see you later, whenever. They seemed very happy to be on their own. But when, as parents, you leave your children with someone else to care for and to look after, well, that was the hardest thing that Rhonda and I have ever, ever done as parents. But we told ourselves, remember, God is, in, God is in control. Now let's move to November 2006. Rhonda, well, she collapses. She has to be emergency air evacuated to the Agacon Hospital in Nairobi. She goes under successful treatment for cerebral malaria. But she leaves the hospital with very, very bad headaches. However, we are able to return to Tanzania to continue working at the orphanage. And for a very good period of time, Rhonda gets better. And together we have hit a certain full stride with our work at the orphanage. Rhonda is falling in love with the children, all 110 of them. <laughs> Rhonda's parents and then some good friends of ours from Edmonton come to visit us. And that helps to normalize things for us a bit and helps to lessen the feelings of isolation culturally when you first got there. Things are pretty good. Now, in early 2009, Rhonda's headaches, unfortunately, grow worse again. And we have to return to Nairobi. And there, things deteriorate quickly. She remains in hospital for a full month. 
can't seem to find out what's wrong. So we decide that we have to send Rhonda back to Edmonton to stay with her parents, to see if Western doctors and the first world healthcare system can find out what's going wrong. Now back in Edmonton, the doctors say, nothing is wrong with Rhonda. Even after all of their tests, they keep pumping her with meds, but still her headaches do not lessen. The doctors say that the pain is illusionary. It's all in her head. Feeling a sense of hopelessness, Rhonda slips into depression. And the pain just gets worse. Now, remember, where am I? I'm, a, I'm still in Africa. <laughs> um, I'm still there after three years and believing that God has placed us there, that we are still in the center of his will. But being torn apart by these circumstances with Rhonda's health. So the afternoon when I received the phone call, that phone call, right, from Rhonda's mom, regarding the bottom falling out of Rhonda's health, well, at that, that moment that call came in, I was actually in Nairobi with her two younger children, Michael and Ashley. I was enrolling them in the fall program at the school. Mike was starting grade 12 and Ashley was going into grade 10. We were already into the first week of September. The phone call from Rhonda's mom was gut-wrenching. Still emotional about it today. <laughs> Rhonda's mom and dad were at the end of what they could do for her. We'd all hoped that better medical help in Edmonton would have helped Rhonda return to the mission field, to Tanzania, to the orphanage, in later fall of 2009. This was our prayer, that God, you are in control. Surely the path you called us on, and in faith that we had followed, the wonderful work of rescuing and helping the children at the orphanage. Surely, Lord, you were going to keep us on this path. And yet I knew God was telling me something different at that time. Go home to Rhonda. My new mission was to ensure I did everything I could to help Rhonda get better and to preserve our own family. What would this mean for the children at the orphanage? I didn't know. But God did and I knew I could leave them in his loving and capable hands. I now knew that God was telling me the new rescue was for Rhonda. So question, how is this now sounding? Look at what has happened by following God's still small voice. Can I continue to release control to Jesus and trust God will be with us and to even bless us through these most difficult of times? When I arrived back to Edmonton with Ashley in September 2009, it was the first time in three years now, we had been able to make arrangements with the school for Michael to finish his grade 12 year at the school in, in Kenya, but not for Ashley. She had all of her high school to finish, so we brought her home. 
but home wasn't home because we had renters in our house. <laughs> we just couldn't kick him out. So we were all piled into Rhonda's mom's place, all five of us. <laughs> so where's Rhonda? Well, Rhonda's still at the U of A hospital in Edmonton when we get back. And she isn't released out of the hospital until October that year. She was under very heavy medications for depression and for pain and was undergoing bi-weekly electroconvulsive therapy. It's also known as ECT. And still, and still had no relief from the 24-7 migraine type headaches and the, and the general body aches. The general body aches were especially bad in all of Rhonda's arms, in her wrists, and her hands. The best doctors did not know what was going wrong. They did not know how to f do anything really for her, how long she would be suffering. The pain of her headaches and her body aches drove her depression deeper and deeper. And this is really hard to say because she told me she didn't want to go on. She didn't think she could go on anymore. So a very, for a very long time, to be totally honest, for a very long time, I did not know what I would find when I woke up in the morning or what I would find when I came home most evenings from work. Now, there's only some things that only Rhonda would ever be able to tell you about these dark days that she had, about her ordeal during those days. <coughs> so I hope one day Rhonda will be able to explain and tell, tell me and more, even more people about those days. Still, at, those, at that time, <laughs> still at that time, Rhonda had to go see a dentist. Can you imagine? <laughs> and she hates the dentist. She just gets into this nasty sweat. And the dentist found through the x-rays that she had a piece of root, a fragment of root left, left deep in her jaw. And that had been left in her jaw deep sometime in the past. And they have to do surgery on her jaw to get it out. Well, great. Not what she wanted to hear. Plus, they think that the x-rays also show something else. Something is wrong with her jaw. And that she'll have to go see a specialist about this. Great. More doctors. Now, she has the dental surgery to remove the root fragment from her jaw. But even though it goes well, this causes even greater pain in her head. Rhonda is beside herself and beyond miser miserable. Then the specialist calls, not with great news, of course. Yes, something's wrong with Rhonda's jaw. Her left jaw has something what's called TMJ, and it's going to require reconstructive surgery. The condition is called, like I say, TMJ, and it's something that we've never heard about. So Rhonda and I hit the internet and look up on there the list of the most common symptoms of TMJ. Now, what are they? 
Her current conditions of headaches, migraines that never leave, her arm aches, her wrists aches, her hand aches, are listed at the top. In fact, she has over 75% of the symptoms caused by TMJ. Almost almost afraid to hope. After over three years since the headaches had started in Africa, could this be a possible remedy for all the things she's gone through? Could this seemingly random dental x-ray have identified a possible cause for her headaches and her body aches, something the best doctors' tests and examinations had missed? The moment Rhonda woke up from the reconstructive surgery on her jaw, her headaches were gone. Her body aches were gone. What a blessing. And we just continue always to give thanks to God for that. After so much time of suffering and tears. Now, Rhonda admits after the jaw surgery, she was so afraid to sneeze and somehow re-damage her jaw and have all the pain and headaches and come back. So how is this sounding? That's a question. How about this still small voice? About a month after this amazing miracle, Rhonda goes to see another specialist, and this time is diagnosed with malignant melanoma. It's the most aggressive, the most worst type of skin cancer you can have. Well, <laughs> we're just beyond words. All we can do is pray and hold each other. Rhonda goes under surgery again, but this time to remove the skin cancer from her shoulder. The doctors say the surgery goes well. And praise God. Praise God, because she has been cancer-free to this day. Through all the pain and all the suffering and tears, we can truly say that God's grace and blessing has remained firm and foundational in our lives. Otherwise, otherwise we could not have survived. Why did the blessings of God have to come out of so much life of evil and pain? And I cannot stand here and tell you I know why exactly. I can't. But I do know that God's word, his truth, and his principles, they transcend any one person, any person's experience. These truths allow the seemingly impossible to be endured and all allow hope to be found in the most hopeless of situations. And the verses that we hung on to some of them are they're on the screen. Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for, the, 
for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. We also hung on to Philippians 7, 4, 7. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Acts 1, 11. And surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Hmm. Now this, I've said some things, and now this is the most incredible of all things I would like to say and speak about today. Through all of this that Rhonda has gone through, that she experienced, through all of it, she kept asking me, when are we going back into missions and helping the children? We see. You see all the pain and all the tears and all the suffering. It's, and all those surgeries has stripped everything superficial off of my dear wife. Anything superficial is now gone. Those things have left. God has replaced them with that still, small voice in her heart. And it has become like that of God's, whose heart breaks for the children who are orphaned and for the widows who are distressed. And her asking me, when are we going back, through all that she went through, has penetrated my heart. Penetrated my heart for the message that we're speaking about today, for the urgency of now. It reminds me, and I hope it reminds all of us, of the urgency God instilled in the disciples 2,000 years ago. He instilled that sense of urgency, that tone, at the very moment especially even at that very moment Jesus was going up into heaven before the disciples' very eyes. He wanted them to know by sending the angels at that very moment that there was work to be done for reaching the lost. There was no time to waste. This life of ours that we have it's not a dress rehearsal. The arrow, the arrow of time doesn't allow us to go to the, bath, to the past. We can't live back there. We can only live at this very present moment. We can plan for the future. But this life of ours is not a dress rehearsal. It doesn't allow us a second chance for do-overs, for opportunities missed. Now this is why this is why Rhonda and I, again, so very willingly and with great excitement, re-entered the world of international missions. Even though Rhonda has recovered in so many ways, she still suffers from depression and anxiety. Still, we have sensed God's call on our lives now. So he can use us and our skills and our abilities and our giftings to advance his kingdom. This time we're going to be going to the Dominican Republic to join in what God is 
so amazingly doing there. Now, you saw on the video that God is doing some great things. The team that we are going to be joining there have been there for 14 years. They have some wonderful programs going. Some of the things that Rhonda will be working on, she's going to be leading the Child Care Plus program, which is a child sponsorship uh, initiative. And you probably have heard of Erdo, you've heard of Child Care Plus. Well, that's what Rhonda is going to be uh, spearheading, where children can be supported for $45 a month on the sponsorship program. That money helps to support a child in need who is look, who needs clothing, who needs school supplies, who needs a uniform, who needs nutritious, like you say, food, but also spiritual nurturing. That's what she's going to be uh, running. She's also going to be running and working with the other missionary uh, women there in a program called um, Women of Destiny. Now, there's also a, a children's program for, women, uh, for girls called Girls of Destiny. On the same type of thing, there's for men, uh, men of val valor and also boys of valor. These are programs that Everyday Ministries Canada has been um, working in the local communities with the evangelical pastors to help transform lives in a very practical and meaningful way. Some of the things that she'll be working with. Some of the things I'm going to be working with is going to be taking on building projects. And the, the video talked about 27 acres of green space, nothing built on it. God, through a series of miracles, has provided 27 acres to build on to continue the expansion of his kingdom. The momentum is there, and we're so excited to be joining with the other missionaries, to join with what God is doing. So what they want to do on those 27 acres is build a place for a conference, 1,500-person conference center, which will have offices and classrooms where more and more training can take place for local leadership and pastors. So that's what's going to take place in that large conference center that needs to be built to help expand God's kingdom there. Also on that site is going to be a missions facility where people, as Pastor had mentioned, if you would like to come on a short-term trip to the Dominican and bring your skills and your giftings, on a trip and to evangelize in the community. To, if you have medical backgrounds, there could be a medical trip to help reach and help those who are in need physically. Uh, if, the, if you're good in building, well, there's going to be a lot of building going on. In, third, in 14 years, Everyday Ministries Canada has helped with congregations who have so little build 35 churches. Either, either full churches or renovations to existing buildings. So there's a lot of wonderful things going on, things that you can participate in and join with us in. So that's, again, why we are here today. Thank you so much for the invitation. We cannot do this in isolation. I think one of the things I said at the beginning is that we knew that we would be reaching out to new folks, new congregations, when we went back into missions. We knew that we would be meeting people we've never met before and sharing with you. And that's what we're doing here today. We can't do this in isolation. We can't go and do what God has called us to do without your support and your prayers. So today, Pastor, we are so grateful for being, have, having this time to share 
having this time to speak about our lives and just to be able to, I think, speak what we believe God has placed in our hearts for this message today for the urgency of now. Thank you so much for your time today. You have been listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. We hope that you've been blessed by this teaching from Cold Lake Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect.